This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Aaron Goldham and Freddie coming in for the guys today in Canty and Carlin presented by Progressive Insurance. And wait till you hear in 10 minutes, not only did a teammate sort of call out Dak Prescott, the Cowboys social media called out Dak Prescott. That comes your way in about 10 minutes. But normally, Chris Canty's a part of the show with Chris Carlin. It's always good to bring Chris Canty to his own show, as a matter of fact, here in Canty and Carlin. And Chris, I'm going to start before we get to Championship Sunday, your thoughts on Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, and their futures. What was up with a former Cowboy and former Giant defending a Philadelphia Eagles quarterback in Jalen Hurts earlier today? (laughs) <laughs> Listen, man, I, I had to call it out because I get tired of the Jalen Hurts slander, man. Jalen Hurts has had a phenomenal season, and had he not gotten hurt in Week 15 against the Chicago Bears, we're talking about this guy being the unanimous MVP. That's how good Jalen Hurts has been. The level of efficiency that he's been able to operate at is just – it's nearly unprecedented, man. I mean, it's really reserved for – guys at an MVP level. On the regular season, you're talking about Jalen Hurts having 35 touchdowns to only eight turnovers. I mean, guys, I mean, there's only a handful of quarterbacks that have done that in the last five years. You're talking about Aaron Rodgers. You're talking about Pat Mahomes. You're talking about Lamar Jackson. And all of those guys won MVPs when they did it. So it's just, I I, I just, for us to say that it's about the supporting cast around Jalen Hurts and not acknowledge just how much of a difference maker this guy is. I just got tired of it, man. I got fed up. Chris, I know Jerry Jones' weekly radio show is like his favorite 10 minutes of the whole week. <laughs> what do you read into the fact that he canceled it today? Uh, Jerry Jones is frustrated because the reality is the quarterback that he paid $40 million a year came up small in the biggest spot in his career. And you looked at the opportunity that was in front of the Dallas Cowboys. They were going head-to-head, you know, with a team that had a rookie quarterback that was the last pick in the NFL draft. You just like to see your quarterback be the difference in a positive way in matchups like that. And unfortunately, Dak Prescott was the difference in a negative way. And Michael Parsons said as much. When you got the best player on the team – saying that the defense only gave up one touchdown and mm-hmm. held C-Mac and Debo Samuel in check and that they've got to find a way to win that game. And if it's not been for the two interceptions, they probably do. When you've got guys in that locker room intimating that the quarterback is a problem, that's when you got an issue from an organizational standpoint. The problem with the Dallas Cowboys is there's nothing they can do about it. Dak Prescott is their quarterback in 2023. There's an $89 million dead cap number if they tried to move on from Dak Prescott. It's not happening. So you're stuck with Dak Prescott, and it doesn't look like they're going to make a move at the head coach. So you're going to roll it back with the same quarterback-head coach combination. I just struggle to find optimism when we talk about getting a different result on the field. Chris Canty from Canty and Carlin joining us on his show. I'm Freddie Coleman. He's Aaron Goldhammer on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. How much should Jerry Jones at least make a phone call to see if Sean Payton is interested? Well, Freddie, I think it's curious that Sean Payton put the second interview with the Denver Broncos on pause. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and and Diana and Jeff Duncan from um, the New Orleans Times-Picune, you know, kind of alluded to the fact that there's a dark horse team out there that hasn't fired their head coach 
that's uh, trying to, quote-unquote, get their ducks in a row uh, to make a run at Sean Payton. Um, is it the Dallas Cowboys? There's a chance. We know that Jerry has a relationship with Sean Payton. He was the OC back in 2005 when I was on the team. And, uh, you know, another team that I wouldn't rule out is the L.A. Chargers. I know that Tom Telesco came out and said that Brandon Staley is his guy, but Tom Telesco has been the general manager in L.A. for 10 years, and he's got a grand total of three playoff appearances and two playoff wins to show for it. So, I mean, if you're running it back with Brandon Staley and somehow, some way, Sean Payton ends up in the AFC West with the Denver Broncos, you're talking about the Chargers going into 2023 with the third best coach in the division at best coming off of a season where they blew a 27-point lead in a playoff game. I just – you're probably looking for a new head coach and a new general manager if things don't work out the way they want to if they stay the course with Brandon Staley. So I think that Sean Payton could be in the mix for that job as well. Chris, whose decision is it whether Patrick Mahomes plays on Sunday? Patrick Mahomes. I mean, if he says he wants to play Andy Reid and – um, their general manager, Brett, Brett Veach, they're not going to stop him. They're not going to stop him. Are you, are you going to stop Pat Mahomes? He's, he's the best player in the league. <laughs> I mean, if he says he wants to play, then you're going to let him go out there and play. But, guys, the guts that he showed in the second half of that game against the Jags, I mean, it felt it, it like a Jordan flu game moment for Pat Mahomes, right? Right. I not mean, you're talking about him going 10 of 15, over 100 yards passing, and a 110 passer rating. Not to mention a touchdown. Pretty damn good for a guy on one leg. Uh, I mean, if you're starting talking about the, the, the best quarterbacks in the league, I think it's Pat Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and then Pat Mahomes on one leg. Like, that's how good he was, <laughs> even with a high ankle sprain. So, I just, you know, I, if he wants to play, I think that Andy Reid and, uh, and Brett Beach let him play. I mean, think about it this way. They let him go back in the game after they pulled him when he had that injury at the end of the first quarter. They let him go back in the second half. I think that's as bad as it's probably going to be for him. If they let him play in the second half of that divisional round game against the Jags, they're going to let him play in the conference championship game. What kind of game plan do you think we're going to see based on what you just said with him? Uh, I think they're going to lean into the running game. Isaiah Pacheco is a, is a great find by their general manager. Um, I, I think the level of physicality that he runs the ball with, the level of physicality of that offensive line is the formula for success with a quarterback that's not going to have the mobility that we're accustomed to seeing him play with. Um, you know Lou Anarumo is going to have some pressures dialed up um, to force Pat Mahomes to move around more than he probably wants to if you get into a dropback game. So the challenge for Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy is don't let it get to a dropback game. Dictate the complexion of the game, hardball runs, and then utilize shots in play action passing where uh, you can use you know you can use seven man protections, eight man protections. I think that's the way to go um, because you got to make sure that you keep Pat Mahomes upright. You take care of him, he'll take care of you. Uh, I, I just feel like that's the formula that the Chiefs need to roll with. And here's the thing. I know that the run stats, the run metrics for Cincinnati are pretty good on the defensive side of the ball, but I don't think that run defense is as good as the stats say it is. I think this is a chance for the Cincinnati Bengals, well, a chance for the Chiefs to check the Cincinnati Bengals' front seven when it comes to their run defense. 
Chris, if the Bengals win and Burrow's beaten Mahomes four consecutive times, he goes to two straight Super Bowls. How does that change the conversation around who the best quarterback in football is? Forget about the best quarterback. He's the best player in football. Like, I think those those are hand-in-hand hand for those two guys. Like, I, I mean, Joe Burrow would be considered the best player in football and the best quarterback in football. I know Dan Orlovsky on Get Up a couple uh-huh. of days ago yeah. tried to split hairs and mm-hmm. say, oh, well, Pat Mahomes is the best player, but Joe Burrow is the best player. Forget about all that. Yeah. If you beat Pat Mahomes four times in a span of two years and two of those games happen to be the conference championship game in three of those games – being in Kansas City, you are the best quarterback in the NFL. I mean, the only other quarterback to beat Pat Mahomes three times is Tom Brady, right? And the only other one to beat Pat Mahomes in Kansas City in the playoffs is Tom Brady. We all know the regard we hold, the esteem we hold Tom Brady in. If Joe Burrow pulls off that feet, Joe Burrow is is wearing the crown as the best quarterback in the NFL. And we'll see. Here. Yeah, and, and it may be a case of that. But by the way, Kansas City, Jacksonville, that game averaged 34.1 million viewers on Saturday night. I can't wait to what kind of number Joe Burrow versus Patrick Mahomes is going to do on Sunday in that AFC Championship game. And no matter what happens, we know our man Chris Canty will be all over getting you ready for a part of Canty and Carlin Monday through Friday right here at 3 p. to 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Joining us on his show here on Canty and Carlin. Also, appreciate you, big dog, man. Thanks for joining us. And you take care, Chris. All right, Freddie Hammer, y'all be easy, man. Appreciate y'all holding it down. Absolutely. Canty and Carlin, we do our best to hold it down. Brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. It's one thing for a teammate to call you out when you don't play well. But then the social media account for the team went down and made it worse. That's bold. Yikes. Aaron Goldhammer, Freddie Coleman together on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Series XM Channel 80. Tune in and don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. Hit us up anytime you want at 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. Yeah, Micah Parsons didn't mention his name when it comes to Dak Prescott and the Cowboys losing 19-12 to Sunday versus San Francisco, but... You take away from the things, I think we held them to one touchdown. You tell me you holding, we come in this game and holding them up to under 20 points, and if you take away the turnover points, you holding them to under 15. Team, you win the game. So I, I really want to say that. I think everybody left it out there, but they made bigger plays. So that was savage when it comes to shots fired being enough. But the Dallas Cowboys social media account put, and I quote, Dak Prescott gave away the ball twice in the narrow loss to the 49ers in a match that the Cowboys had a chance to win if they didn't again generate self-inflicted wounds, Aaron, end quote. <laughs> I've never seen that before. I'm looking at the Browns' uh, social media account just to compare to the way other teams. Uh They wished Eric Metcalf a happy birthday in their last (laughs) week. Normally, from the team, you get this very sterile, team-friendly content, right? right? The five moves that the Cowboys might consider making so that they're playing in the NFC Championship game next year. So... Here's what I would say, though, about the the situation with Dak. He's going to be 30, Freddie. Right. So the idea that he's some spring chicken quarterback that's still on the upswing, I I think Dak is playing or has already played the best that he's going to play in his career. Okay? So I don't think he's ever going to be like a top-flight quarterback, like Burrow Mahomes-level quarterback. 
So if you're the Cowboys, you're going to have to try to find ways to win playoff games without getting quarterback play at that level, or eventually you're going to have to move on and try to find somebody else. Because Dak Prescott right now, to me, Freddie, is the worst thing you can have in the NFL. He's getting paid like a top-five quarterback, but he's purgatory. He's just good enough to get you 12 wins and losing in the divisional round. Dak Prescott is suffering from his peers around him as well. Yeah, he has to be better. He even said he took accountability. 100% unacceptable. This loss is on me. He didn't say the throws. He didn't say the lack of offense. He said the entire loss was going to be on him, and he promised everybody that those kind of things are not going to happen again. Dak Prescott suffers from the fact that his peers around him make their teams better than he does. We had a prime example Sunday where Brock Purdy was able to uplift everybody from San Francisco when the Cowboys' defense, they stopped Christian McCaffrey and they stopped Debo Samuel. George Kittle got loose in that one pass play. They Uh kept him in check a little bit. That's why Micah Parsons was white hot saying, we did our job. Right. It's up to you not to give our defense a short field against that offense. And both times he did that, the Friday Nights were not able to really take full, full advantage of until late they got that touchdown in that right. ball game. So that's why Micah Parsons was hot at him. Yeah, if- and, you know, Dak throws a red zone interception, and mm-hmm. he throws an interception deep in his own territory, and they both lead to field goals for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. They win the game by seven. Those are six points right there. You know the thing Purdy didn't do, Freddie? He didn't turn the ball no, over. Didn't. No, he didn't. Is anybody surprised, though, with the way Dak played on Sunday? I wasn't. I didn't think he was going to come out and throw four times touchdown passes he led the league in interceptions for a reason the Cowboys were just as good with Cooper Rush as they were with Dak Prescott I'm not saying Cooper Rush is a better quarterback I'm just saying the result at the end of the day was very much the same if you're Dak Prescott the one thing that Cooper Rush does better than you is he reads defenses when pre-snap reads. Mm -hmm. If you're Dak Prescott, I don't know if you have to have a tutorial from Cooper Rush where he's at the board doing a PowerPoint presentation saying this is what you look for. That's something that he has to be better at because any great quarterback or above-average quarterback has that ability. The ones that don't do that, they may get you a game or two, and he was able to do that on Monday versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But he ran into those bloodthirsty pirates on defense called San Francisco. And D'Amico Ryans, as usual, died of a great game plan as a defensive coordinator. And once again, Dak Prescott couldn't hang. If I'm the Dallas Cowboys, if it's Kellen Moore that needs to teach him or needs him to Peyton Manning quarterback camp, whatever you got to do, the one that has to fix Dak Prescott, it can't just be about a coaching change. It can't just be about an offense coordinator change. It's got to be Dak Prescott changing, and that's the one thing he better figure out because if he doesn't, he can be a free agent in 2024. Yeah. There are no guarantees the Cowboys are going to say, let's run this back again with you when we're no better with you with that kind of contract. You know, and their window is open from a defensive standpoint. Um, and no I don't doubt. know if Dan Quinn's going to get a head coaching job. Offense, you know, they got young players there, too. Their offensive line, you know, was really, really good this year. It feels like the quarterback is just the missing piece. And smarts. Freddie, I just think the last couple of years – They've done dumb things in these playoff games against San Francisco. I don't disagree. The way both games ended, and it would have taken a miracle for them to throw an 80-yard touchdown pass on that last play. But nobody can really honestly explain to me what the heck they were doing, having Zeke Elliott snap the ball, get lit up, throw (laughs) the ball five yards. 
And it's the same thing that happened on that last play last year when they ran out of time. They should have gone for it on fourth down. They didn't manage the clock well. There were dumb penalties throughout the course of the game. They threw stupid interceptions and had bad turnovers. If they're going to win with Dak... They're going to have to be cleaner because he's not good enough to make up for all of those mistakes. And if I'm Jerry Jones, and we had Newey Scruggs when I was doing Freddie and Fitzsimmons last night from NBC5 in Dallas, he said that Jerry Jones is not going to give it that kind of compensation for Sean Payton. Bananas. If I'm Jerry Jones, I'm making that call. I'm thinking, hey, Sean Payton, what would it take? And he says this, then you have to go along with it. Jerry Jones is 80 years of age. Last time I checked, he's not Benjamin Button. He's not getting younger with this no. football team and trying to win a championship. No, if, you know, if you know that guy is not only great at teaching offense, yeah. but teaching organization, why would you not make that phone call to see exactly what could be what with Sean Payton? If he says no, he says no. But you make him say no if you're yeah. Jerry Jones because nothing is Mike McCarthy, nice yeah. guy, nice head coach, not a championship head coach, yeah. not a championship teacher. Last 30 years, Freddie, being a Cowboy fan is one of the most miserable fan experiences in the NFL. You've been just good enough to almost be in the conversation, and your expectations are excellence every single year. As a Cowboys fan, you just really cut me to the quick when you said that when it comes to Aaron Goldhammer joining me, Freddie Coleman, and for the guys here on Canty and Carlin. We turn our attention to Major League Baseball, and they've just announced a Hall of Fame cast for 2023. Who got in and who didn't get in? We'll get to that next on ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. It is Canty and Carlin presented of insurance on ESPN radio, the ESPN app, Series X and channel 80 tune in. And don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play ESPN radio. You got my boy, Aaron Goldhammer, Freddie coming in for the guys today. Hit us on social media. Anytime you want Aaron's handle hammer nation 19, my handle at Coleman ESPN. So Fred McGriff is going to have company in the Baseball Hall of Fame wow. this summer in Cooperstown. Yeah. And Listen lot. to this star-studded name, America. Yes. Scott Rowland, <laughs> the only one getting in, part of the Baseball Hall of Fame announcement. He got 76.3% of the vote in his sixth year in the ballot. You look at his numbers. Seven-time All-Star, All-Star, eight-time Gold Glove winner, ninth highest career, war, wins above replacement by position at 701 he had 316 home runs, scored 1,211 runs, drove in 1,287, stole 118 bases. They were able to take Scott Rowland and even have Todd Helton at 72.2% give more of the voting than a Gary Sheffield 
who had 509 home runs, wow. drove in 1,676 RBIs, yep. batted 292, yep. and had 2,689 hits. You know, I have my own definition of what I think a Hall of Famer is, Freddie. To me, a guy shouldn't get into the Hall of Fame unless he's the kind of guy who, when he's in town and you're a kid, you say, hey, mom, hey, dad, I want to go to the ballpark to see Gary Sheffield. Like, I would say that when I was a kid, right? Right. I mean, Ken Griffey Jr., like, Mm -hmm. definitely I would say that. Look, Scott Rowland was a really good player right? The Hall of Fame is for excellence. Is anybody other than his family going to be excited about going to Cooperstown (laughs) for Scott Rowland's induction? Like, who's buying that t-shirt? You know, like, is Philly fan really getting all that excited? Cardinal fan getting, like, they'll go for Pujols, but I don't know. They'll go, they're going for Scott Rowland. Yeah, I I don't want to bash someone getting into a Hall of Fame because it is a notable achievement, not trying to belittle what he was able to do, but even compared to Todd Helton. And even Todd Helton did not get punished as much by playing in Coors Field. And if that's going to be the case, he had 369 home runs, 1,406 RBIs, and his career batting average was 316 while having 2,519 hits. If they're going to use the number argument, the wins above replacement when it comes to that, okay, then make all the numbers matter when it comes to Scott Rowland, Todd Helton, Gary Sheffield, Andrew Jones, Carlos Beltran, and Scott Rowland, the only one getting above 75% of the vote in his sixth year on the ballot. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking just sort of at the careers, the career war. Like uh, 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 Babe Ruth, number one in career war. Right. Uh He's in the Hall of Fame, you know. Barry Bonds, fourth, is not. Part of the issue that I have with the Baseball Hall of Fame, Freddie, not to litigate the last 30 years of sports talk by Mm -hmm. any means. Right. Got it. The players from my childhood who were the real great ones, not not Scott Rowland, but like the the really great ones, the Clemens and the fact that they're not there. Like, who is the Hall of Fame for for you? Is it some hallowed ground where the baseball gods live or is it a museum that's really there for fans that kind of honors the history of the game, whether that's mm-hmm. good history or bad history? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I just... Why I, can't it be both? I mean, because if you're going to put Scott Rowland into the Hall of Fame and Barry Bonds isn't, I have, right, I have a real I hear problem you. with that. I, hear I have a real problem with that. Yeah, I, 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 I'm telling you, in terms of like hallowed ground in a museum, it can be both. And you and I are, are on the same mind that I've advocated that, yeah, you put those guys in, because everybody was doing it, or seemingly everybody was doing it, but you tell the whole story. They may not like it too damn bad if you're Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Rafael Palmero, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Tell the whole story that this guy was a great player, but he decided to use performance-enhancing drugs, and it added to his numbers when it comes to Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens. And that's, like I said, not trying to slight Scott Rowland and his family. It's a great achievement to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York. But if you're going to do that because he was a very good player and excluding the one, uh, excluding the other ones out, tell the whole story, everybody involved, good and bad, and let the public decide what they're going to believe and what they're going to feel about that. Yeah. Listen, around that war number for Roland, listen some of the other third basemen that are in the conversation. Okay. Greg Nettles, okay. Ken Boyer, All right. Buddy Bell, All right. Sal Bando, okay. Evan Longoria, mm-hmm. Robin Ventura. A lot of very goods there. A lot of 
you know, I'm not saying those guys stunk. They all had good careers. Explain to me why Adrian Beltre was so far down the list and Scott Rowland got in. I have I, no idea. Beltre is a much better player than Scott Rowland was. Again, is it is it the suspicion around the player? Like, no one thought that Scott Rowland would dare touch a performance-enhancing drug. I don't... Mm. The Hall of Fame is for elite. Hall of Fame is for... That guy's in town. Kids, mm-hmm. get in the car. Let's go down to the ballpark to see. And there are, you know, a limited number of guys who are that way. I believe yeah. Fred McGriff was that. When I was a kid. I wanted to see the crime dog. Yes, Absolutely. I wanted to see the crime yeah. dog. Mm-hmm. I feel Absolutely. like that is, you know, Chipper Jones, definitely. Yeah. And as a Mets no fan, I'm doubt saying about that. It. And I should be yes. morally opposed. Yes, yes. Um, you know, Carlos Beltran, good player. I, I yeah, wouldn't, I wouldn't a, say he's in the a Hall yeah, of Famer. Yeah, not a must-see guy. Yeah, no, I hear no. you. So it's almost like I know it when I see it, but I don't like the hypocrisy of the voters sort of moralizing right. these conversations. Yeah, you know? because these were the same people, male and female, that looked the other way when all this was going on in the 80s and 90s when plenty of players saying, look, this is a problem. And they wanted baseball back so badly after the strike in 1994 that took away the postseason. They were willing to sell anybody and everybody down the river to make sure the fans were going to get back in the seats. They were willing to do that to make money and get people back to make that kind of money. But the minute that they made their money, then yeah. it just turned completely on them. Even Jose Canseco, for my money, yeah. the best batting average in the history of Major League Baseball. He wrote a book in which he named eight names. Eight for eight. Got them all right. And yeah. I'll never give when that book came out, Aaron. He was, well, granted, he's Jose Canseco. He can be a bit whatever. But he was treated like a pariah. And I said, well, what if he was telling the truth? Oh, he's not telling the truth. I said, he put everybody's name in the book. Yeah. Either he's very smart and knows he has evidence, or he's very stupid. As it turned out, he had evidence. Well, there are only, I think, eight third basemen in the Hall of Fame, something like that. Listen to these names. Okay, Mike Schmidt's a Hall of Famer. Oh, no doubt. Wayne Michael Boggs is a Hall of Famer. Keep going. George Brett's a Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Chipper Jones, Brooks Robinson. Mm-hmm. I mean, you thought Scott Rowland was a great defensive player. Look up Brooks Robinson. Right, exactly. Paul Molitor. Those yep. guys are definite Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. You just you know it and feel it when you see it. Scott Rowland and Harold Baines. Harold Baines is in the Baseball Hall of Fame? As a DH. More DH. More than anything else. He, he set the standard for Edgar Martinez to get in, who I believe is a Hall of Famer. Edgar yeah, Martinez. I, I, I like Edgar more than Harold Baines. I never would have said to my parents, guys, Harold Baines is in town. I bought a Harold Baines jersey today. <laughs> like it's the, oh, Some of these guys have mm. such great numbers because they were – very good for a long time. Right, no That doubt shouldn't that. make you a Hall of Famer. Scott right. Rowland played 17 seasons, which is part of the reason why he made it. So, again, congratulations to him. But like you, I don't want to take the whole day tearing the guy down on the day right. he makes the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. It's more a conversation about who we're letting in, what the voting process is, and the fact that the best players of my childhood aren't in there, and Scott Rowland is, yeah. as a sports fan, that bothers me. Yeah. It oh. doesn't accurately chronicle the history that I grew up with. Right, no doubt about it. Hold on a second. Oh, yeah. oh hi, Harold Baines? Oh, yeah, you want to talk to Aaron Goldhammer? Yeah, hold on a second. Hey, by sorry, the way, ha- sorry. Harold Harry. Baines on yeah. line one. He wants to have a word with you about what you just said about him. He's Aaron Goldhammer. I'm Freddie Coleman in for the guys today on Canty. And, Carlin, there's no better way to put a bow on this whole thing by using the number three and the word out. We put them together if you keep it here on ESPN Radio.
Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. On Canty and Carlin, Freddie Coleman, Aaron Goldhammer, in for the guys on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Series X and Channel 80. Tune in and don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. All right, little three and out. We got a little Stashinki, our producer. He throws it at us, and we let you know exactly what's going on with three and out. So you sent the story that I I got to pick your brain on. Okay. The better turning $5 into life-changing money. Mm-hmm. Now, for those who haven't seen this, an NFL better bet $5 on a wild NFL playoffs parlay bet. Now, yeah. this person, Charmaine Nameless, Cameron Craig, is a Bengals fan. Because his team beat Buffalo 27-10, he won a massive four-leg parlay. He turned a $5 bet into $72,795. How did he do that? I'll be glad to tell you. He placed a parlay wager on four players to score the first touchdown in all four divisional round games. Travis Kelsey of Kansas City, Dallas Goddard of Philadelphia, Jamar Chase of Cincinnati, and Dalton Schultz of the Dallas Cowboys. And that's how he got seventy two thousand five hundred seven hundred two thousand. Excuse me, seven hundred ninety five dollars. What would you do if you hit the first three mm-hmm. and you could cash out for like twenty grand? I'm riding. Or it. I'm letting it ride. You're letting it ride. I'm letting it ride. I've come that far. Five dollars. I'm letting it ride. On a five dollar bet, I guess you have to. Yes. I, I'm going to try to identify who's scoring the first touchdown in these two games this mm-hmm. weekend, and if I get them right, okay, you know maybe I can make seventy two thousand dollars. Let it ride, parlay and let it ride. <laughs> Speaking of trying to let it ride but not being able to let it ride, Terry Francona is the Guardians' manager. Well, he has a beloved ride that's been stolen. He has a scooter that he rides from his downtown Cleveland apartment to Progressive Field on game days. It was stolen over the weekend. His scooter was parked outside his residence. A team spokesman said police were notified of the theft, which happened late Friday night or early Saturday morning. Terry Francona, who is 63 years of age, he spends his off-season in Arizona. He was in Cleveland over the weekend for Guards Fest, which is the team's annual winter fan festival. He noticed his scooter was missing before attending Saturday's event. It is common to see Francona, known as Tito, waving the fans as he zips around the city. The team even had a bobblehead giveaway a few years ago with Francona riding his scooter. Uh, Here in Cleveland, Freddie, we have put the APB out. Guardians Nation has rallied together, and we are going to find that scooter. Let me tell you, if you're out there listening, and you're the person (laughs) who stole Terry Frank, 
you are banned from all Cleveland sporting events for all time. You can't go to Cleveland State basketball. Mm -hmm. You can't go see Kent State women's lacrosse. (laughs) You can't go to watch my daughter play soccer on her four-year-old team. You'll never watch sports again. That's your punishment. I would not want to be that person when that person is found with that scooter. Because you, you just you just examine you just explain pitchforks and fire is coming that person's way based on doing that. I mean, he's probably the greatest manager in Guardians history, and whoever took it, Freddie, had to know that it was his. Yes. He's synonymous with the scooter. They didn't just take it because they saw it sitting there. They thought it would be funny to take Terry Francona's scooter, mm-hmm. and then he had to walk to the event at his age with his health history. You're making Tito walk. You're putting Tito's health at risk. Shame <laughs> on you. It is three and out on Canty and Carl and Freddie Coleman and Aaron Goldhammer in for the guys today on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Tune in and don't forget to tell your smart speaker to play ESPN Radio. As much as there's a reward for Terry Francona's scooter, that's number one, and the guy that took a $5 parlay and made close to $72,800, nothing beats what Beyonce made over the weekend. She played a private concert in Dubai to mark the opening of a luxury hotel called the Atlantis The Royal. Now, it's a 1,500-seat event. Only known invitees were invited to this, including her husband, Jay-Z, and her daughter, Blue Ivy, played on stage with her. It was her first concert, first show, Aaron, in four years. She performed for one hour. She made $24 million. No. She makes $24 million an hour? Just for that one hour. $24 million. Do you think that they get enough marketing off of us talking about this, their hotel and do, but that it is worth the $24 million? Now, that's a good point. I didn't think I about mean, that. I mean, look, if, if we're going to say athletes are overpaid, mm-hmm. right? No one says this about Tom Cruise nope. and Top Gun. Mm-hmm. No one says it about Downey and the mm-hmm. Avengers. No one says it about... She worked one night for one hour, and she. Are you sure it's not two hundred and forty thousand dollars? Oh no, I checked. I kept looking at so many different places. It was even a story on CNN, and because they show video footage of her coming out of the earth like a goddess and showing her singing with her daughter on stage, and then they said the price tag. She got twenty four million dollars for one hour's work. What do you think was set up like in her dressing room, like? Did she have the M&M's, but there were no green ones? Did she have lobster and shrimp cocktail? And I just I don't want to go to the concert. I just want to hang yeah. backstage to see what else was included with the $24 million in cash that she got for playing. Well, when you're Queen Bay, whatever you want, you get. Oh, they're going to make sure that you're going to be satisfied, especially with the beehive that supports their, their, their queen. We know who runs the world, and her name is Beyonce Carter when it comes to that. Last but not least, an NBA story for you, part of three and out. Zion Williamson, the New Orleans Pelicans, he's been out since January 2nd with a right hamstring strain, is progressing with his, with his rehabilitation, excuse me. He'll be reevaluated again in two weeks. So you got him, you got Kevin Durant getting uh-huh. back on the basketball court. He could be back in two weeks. The NBA starting to get their stars back with the NFL winding down. If they could keep Zion healthy, Freddie. They could win the West. They could win the title. Mm -hmm. 
Okay. But that's a tall ask to keep that guy healthy. Yeah, especially in a loaded Western Conference where even though Golden State's bad, they're always the Golden State Warriors. By the way, the Sacramento Kings are the third best record in the Western Conference. Wow. I bet you nobody even thinks about knowing Congratulations that. Congratulations to Scott Rowland, the Hall of Famer, Freddie. Yes, he is. As he said, that completely tongue-in-cheek <laughs> when it comes to Aaron Goldhammer and Freddie Coleman. And for the guys on Canty and Carlin, we got next Joe and Amber. Keep it here on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can watch and listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.